The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Wrap up and close this week with a song. Rejoin to me again, author extraordinaire and bastard, Press Maxon of the Revolution. I, of the Revolution. I was gonna say, I'll have you know, I, I know who my father is. My <laughs> father's book recently released is about Chicago's Motor Row, but we don't have to get super into that. Yeah, but like you said, I I am a bastard of the revolution. My book comes out April 5th, but that's not what I'm here to talk about no. necessarily on this show. It's here to talk about Mr. Jones, the lead single from 1993's August and Everything After by Counting Crows. That album also featured the singles Round Here, Ranking, Murder of, and Murder of One, and such staples as Omaha, Anna Begins, Time and Time Again, and Sullivan Street, but let Let's be honest, this, we'll get into it, but this album is like top to bottom brilliant. It's uh, stacked. Uh, Mr. It's a stacked album. Yeah. Mr. Jones reached number five on the Billboard and number two on the alternative and mainstream rock charts. It finished the year at number seven overall in the Hot 100 Airplay. August and Everything After went seven times platinum in the United States, selling over 10 million copies worldwide. Jeez. It was number four on the billboard 200 for 1994 the best-selling fifth best-selling album of 1994 yeah counting crows here's this mr jones one of those songs and the video that you could not avoid in 1993-94 like it was so the last time we talked music videos mm-hmm. you made it pretty clear you were a smashing pumpkins guy right like i, it- I like i like smashing but yeah but it was like Smashing Pumpkins, like shaped part of your like lexicon, like shaped part of your world, right? Yeah, like, yeah they were, were like it. my first favorite band. That was like that wasn't like some older stuff. That wasn't like Michael Jackson. That was right. you know like that stuff. They were my first like favorite band when I was in high school. So so now I think with Counting Crows, we're we're talking that about me. Okay, like, I. I was a Beatles fan. That was the first thing that I really, um, when I was in when I was in elementary school and I was learning how to play piano and learning mm-hmm. how to play guitar. The Beatles were were it. Um, but I was also super aware that I wasn't like my classmates in the sense that I didn't care about anything happening in the now. Like everything that I was into musically mm-hmm. had happened a decade earlier. A decade I got that half. way a bit myself. I got into like these bands that we're talking about in this alternative era yep. taught me to go back and I was getting into Zeppelin back then and right. all that, you know? Yeah. So I hear you. And then Counting Crows came along for me. And that was like the first like band that was current that like all of a sudden it made me snap out of like my sixties haze musically mm-hmm. and say like, Whoa, something's happening, you know? 
And this particular video, the Mr. Jones video, I, I this was one of those where I remember where I was when I saw it and remember thinking like, that's something. So I, I think I was 14 when it came out. Mm-hmm. I was, we, our family did not have cable. We only watched network TV. So back then we had four channels in the Chicagoland area. You know, we had ABC, CBS, NBC, and WGN. And we had Fox, but we didn't get great reception. It was new. It was, it, it well, was, it right. came out in the middle late eighties, but it was, right. yeah. But it was the funny thing on the TV where it's like the dial on the TV hit all like hit, you know, channels, uh, two, five, seven, and nine. That mm-hmm. was CBC, NBC, ABC, and, and WGN respectively in that order. And then Fox was channel 32. So it was like, it was all, it was, out there it didn't like mm-hmm. like you had to turn the dial extra far to get there whatever the point being i never saw anything and cable was booming and when my sister and i went to go babysit our neighbors they had cable and that's where we got our mtv gotcha and our vh1 and one night after the kids went to bed we always turned on beavis and butthead because that was something we were never going to get at home you know right uh, but one night we turn on MTV looking for Beavis and Butthead, but we find County Crows and Mr. Jones instead. And, you know, I think the memorable image for me from this video is the Adam Duritz dancing with the jacket sort of hanging off his shoulders. Like his jacket's not on. Like it's ridiculous. His right, jacket's yeah. not on. It's not off. He's just like flapping around with it. Right. Yeah. But I remember thinking like, okay, like here's a guy, here's like a character. He's like singing this song. They're not being too theatrical in the music video. Like there's these little clips of like actors and actresses kind of like doing little things. But for the most part, it's the band jamming out on their song. And you get the feeling if you saw him at concert, it would look like this. It would look like that. And that was my, that's what hit me. And I mean, he had like this kind of ethereal voice that didn't sound real almost sometimes. He had the dreads, which of course are in the end you figure out are fake, but you didn't know it back then. You know, he had the leading man charisma that I feel like I just hadn't seen in a lot of places. But he also looked like an ordinary guy. Like he wasn't super fit. He wasn't yeah. like he was just like a normal dude. I remember we showed my dad counting crows. My dad was like, Why is this guy attractive? Like, I don't get it. It's like Elvis was this poster child for, Mm -hmm. you know, like being gorgeous. And like, you know, you had the Beatles and you had like all these people who were classically attractive. Like, here's a guy who is like not attractive at all. But here's the thing with Dirt, the thing with Dirt is is weird. Like, one, this video, this song is like a gigantic gigantic statement from someone not trying to make a gigantic statement they were just making music but it was so like stop right now what is this yes what this is different like we were in the heyday of the grunge like they are Mm -hmm. grunge is still pretty dominant the dominant for like cobain's still alive when this pops up i believe um Uh, is that true cobain dies in 94 this album and stuff comes out in 93 and this pops up and it's like what what it like it grabs you right away it's different and the thing with Duritz is like you know he's not some handsome suave you know do but you get this giant ball of charisma that looks like he's not even trying to give out a giant ball of charisma but it's just like this guy didn't give a fuck 
Like he's bopping around like this is his thing. He is belting out his tune. It sounds personal. Like it 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 works. And I just knowing the Counting Crows, like it doesn't feel like they were trying to like jump out like that. Right. But um, it's a it's it's a it's a song and a video that even though it's not the most intense video, it's not the most overdone. Right. It's a not much there video in terms of difficulty filming or like complex stuff we'd oh, see but not. it makes you stop everything you're doing if you've never mm-hmm. heard it before and you're just like what what is this like what yeah. is this who is this sound this this is different you know well when you you made an interesting point we're in the we're in the heyday of grunge the nirvana the pearl jams the sound gardens and like here's a song that has two guitars on it that never distort Mm-hmm. I mean, truly, it's clean channel guitar the whole time, totally out of nowhere for like the the age. And I agree with you. Like his his charisma, his like just ability to jam out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I, I remember thinking, okay, that's what it looks like for a vocalist to entertain as well as just sing the song. You know, right. like here's something who's not doesn't look like he's trying too hard. He's just going for it. But uh, that that really attracted me. And I, I think uh, for both my sister and me, um, we were we were in Scots. like Liz, Liz, my, that's my sister's name. She she went full on Counting Crows fan uh, and it lasted a lot longer for her than it did for me. But uh she she met him out of, outside of a concert once and had him sign her like stomach or something mm-hmm. like a classic you know <laughs> wait by the stage door groupie kind of move um and she has a picture of it that she displays proudly uh but back in high school i think our band in high school i think we covered round here okay uh and i didn't sing it the the other guy in our band sang it he was much stronger vocally than I was, but both of us were like, like, we shouldn't touch this. We kind of were like, (laughs) we were like, like who's going to ever match Adam Duritz on this. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like singing, you know, for lack of a better example, it's not like, Oh, I can put my own spin on Eddie Vedder or, Oh, I can put my own spin on Chris Cornell or even Kurt Cobain. It's like, it's like, like you can never replicate what Adam Duritz does, you know, right. and like, even, like there's no way you can make it your own and make it any better. And I say that while I also acknowledge that for years I played dueling pianos and I don't think there was a single night that went by where I didn't play Mr. Jones. And it does not matter if there's two people in the bar or 200 people in the bar the room explodes when you do Mr. Jones and like, and, and it could even be a room full of sober people. And you get to the part where it's like, what, what is it? I I want to be a lion. And everyone goes, yeah, we don't want to pass this catch. Everyone does the, yeah. And I mean, like that's, that's guaranteed, you know, and to have, that sort of ability. That wasn't me making them go, yeah, when I sang it. That was Adam Duritz. Yeah. And their memory of what that song did to them, uh, you know, when when we were all living in the 90s. So that's that's what I think of when I when I think of, when I see this video. I watched it today. 
in its entirety for the first time in many years, but it mm-hmm. take, took me right back yeah. to that living room watching it. Yeah, I remember like my friends and I were listening to like the Pearl Jam soundtrack, and we quickly shifted to like listening to Counting Crows. It was like, this yeah. is cr- that was the funny thing about, and I talked about this on an episode, uh, I believe my guy who does my score for the show, uh, Nate Utesh, we were talking about Ooh. how, what a freaking like, dirty dish sink like the alternative nation era was like there's nothing that goes together like no you're right because we were, we were talking about the chemical brothers we're like this would be on an alternative radio and the next thing you would hear would be like some whack like, cherry pop and daddies like right. sweet music was there ska music was there new metal rap stuff was there like and it was just like alternative it's alternative and it's like do you, if, if it was the kids were listening to it and it wasn't rap or country, it was alternative. Like that's right. pretty much where everything got thrown together. And it came from I, grunge, but kind of girls were in there. Yeah, no, they were. And I, I can I can assume you've seen uh, PJ20, you know, the Pearl Jam yeah. 20 documentary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought one thing that was interesting in that was they asked Jeff Ament what... Um, like what influenced you? And and they were like, well, we listened to everything. We listened to Motown R and B. We listened to the hard rock of the '60s. We listened to like the yacht rock of the '70s. We listened yeah. to the synth pop of the '80s. And you feel like Adam Duritz is in that class mm-hmm. where you you hear like when Adam Duritz sings and Counting Crows play. You you, you know you hear Van Morrison. You hear some Beatles. You hear some heavier stuff on other albums like. Uh, you know, like that was, I feel like a generation, the, the, the grunge alternative of the early nineties, you, you feel like they had really open minds to listen to everything. They were to students, try it all out. Students, students of the genre. Yeah, exactly. They were students students of the, of the yeah. genre. And that's one thing I think it's, and I hate to, I hate to proclaim stuff on generations, but I feel as we've come in the last couple, like they don't care to look back at anything or like, eh. The damn kids these days don't care about where we came from. Things are things are too old, or they they use it like uh, they'll they'll watch someone else talk about it and think they know everything. Like it's all Mm -hmm. easy access there, or someone did the work for them on on an essay or something like that, or like made a little video thing. Um, But like I used to like dive in, and I, I I bet every generations like that were. Some of them look back and do that, but I think with the alternative era, like we had a lot of them looking back and and pulling from those things. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? I think a little, almost too ironic. Uh, yet I really do think that <laughs> the access to um, the access to the previous generations is greater now than it ever was. Yeah. For case in point, I was just upstairs a few hours ago in our daughter's bedroom, mm-hmm. and they have an Alexa, uh, like a, an Echo Dot yep. in their bedroom. So I started humming, uh, I think it's Blue Moon by the Shondells. You know that song mm-hmm. like from like the 50s? It's like, yeah. it's like a doo-wop song, like Blue, 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 Blue Moon. Right. Uh, and um, my daughter was like, what is that? So I just like looked over at Alexa and I said, you know, Alexa, play Blue Moon by the Shondells. I think she's about to in this room because I said it. But um, I should have I should have known that was gonna <laughs> Alexa, stop the music. Um, <laughs> but 
it occurred to me in that moment when I asked the A word, <laughs> when I asked the echo to play that, I was like, you know, when I was a kid, if you didn't have it on tape, you know, if you didn't have it then later on CD, like you had zero way to hear it. I mean, and, and even when you college, wanted to, yeah, you, right, I, when you, you wanted to you right. build up and, a legend of this thing to hear it and then you get it and you would do nothing but study it. Now you're like, oh, that. Well, oh, OK, I heard it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like and even then in college, it's like we weren't where we are today. When I was in college, it was like the Napster LimeWire era right. where where if you wanted it, you could probably find it. But there were still barriers. You'd have to go. It was impossible sometimes to find a high quality version to download. It was like, and but also if you want to listen to your car, you had a limited amount of burned CDs to exactly, exactly. Whereas now it's like we can ask for anything, yeah. you know, like this. In in theory, this generation, you know, can can technically listen to more in a day than any other generation like ever. Mm-hmm. That's on a wide spectrum uh, of genres. So. I hope my optimistic voice in my head says, I hope that, you know, musicians now and in the next coming years are like reflect that ability, you know, like reflect that, like almost in the way that the Adam Duritzes, the, the Eddie Vedders, you know, were students of the craft. Right. But okay. time will tell, you know, and that's something. But I love that that comes through with Counting Crows records. I love that you can hear it in August and everything after. Also, uh, it's, uh, they are they are my wife's favorite band. It's the Counting Crows. Oh yeah. So I've been yeah. to the I've seen them in concert plenty of time. Every time they come through, um, we check them out. Um, and Mr. Jones, though, this is a funny thing. Like they don't like playing that too much anymore. Like they they rifle through it, change lyrics. It's not even fun. Like the crowd gets excited when it first starts, but then you see everybody like looking around, like the hell's going on with this? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. They play it because they know you wanted to woo and do that but they're not too i think it's something that you know he's probably you know songs are personal more personal to him because he wrote them and he's a little embarrassed about what he wrote about or he doesn't believe in what he wrote about anymore like it happens with them and when you're a band that tours as much as they do or something he's and it's deep an artist that you don't you put too much emphasis on it that could be that way but um and i but i like about them is they are one of those who flipped the set list, you know, night yeah. to night. So you won't always yeah. get to see Mr. Jones. Um, and <laughs> I, yeah, that's, that's fun to me. That's the kind of acts I like to go see in concert, but yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I, I, uh, first time I saw him in concert, it was a double bill, um, County Crows and Wallflowers. It was the recovering satellites tour. So it was the gotcha. Wallflowers bringing down the, Bring down the house. Was that their album? Whatever. It was. It was the, the, the one with one headlight and Fifth Avenue yeah. heartbreak. Yep. Difference. Yeah. It was their. It was. It was their tour. Heyday of all these guys, you know. And we were disappointed that they did like a toned down acoustic version of Mr. Jones, mm-hmm. like a real slow one. Yeah. On that tour, and then we saw um, a couple of years later. Uh, not a couple of years later. Like almost probably five or six years later, we saw them on the hard candy tour, okay. which is sort of an underrated counting crows album, in my opinion, produced by Steve uh, Lillywhite. Yeah. Was it really? I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Okay. Um, yeah. So they did hard, the hard candy tour and they did like the actual, like 
electric version of Mr. Jones that we're all used to. Yeah. And for some reason, it kind of caught me off guard. I was like, oh, thank goodness. I thought they'd sort of never do this, you know. Um, But that was the double bill with John Mayer. And that was the John Mayer Room for Squares to launched him like nuts, you know. I think he played bigger than my body and and he like he framed it like this is the new single off my new record that no one's heard yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like kind of, I feel like kind of cool that, that we got to see that tour with John Mayer where he was yeah. and, and the crows, but uh, I have not seen them since my wife and my sister have. And, uh, and I think I'd be into it now. Um, although I have to admit my passion for cannon crows kind of cooled over the years. Like I did not like connect with this desert life quite as mm-hmm. much as I did recovering the satellites. I liked hard candy, but I sort of like started to wane there in the mid two thousands. Um, and Adam Durrett's even admits I've written the same song over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, so there's part of that, that, that has kept me from being a real like counting crows stand. Um, well, because like, looking at is august and everything after their best like they real that's a high bar for your first album yeah anybody yeah, could only is. wish they could do like half that even in a career like i mean i think for me personally recovering the satellites is epic but that's a personal thing mm-hmm. i can also look at it objectively and say recovering the satellites just doesn't hold a candle to August and everything after I, I did love hard candy, but again, it's like, are you asking me if it's better than August and everything after? Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, so, yeah. So I agree. I, at least, at least I don't know if you agree or not, but like you just posed the question I'll answer for me. And that's, I, I don't right. think they ever eclipsed what they did on August yeah. and everything after. I, I enjoy to a good degree. Their first, four albums quite a bit uh after that i just i kind of not enough attention paid nothing holds sticks with me uh their new little ep they did was pretty sweet though Uh, it's like i don't know i don't know if the second half i I haven't listened to the second half but the first half was i liked pretty good i don't think i've listened to the second half either this is the butter sweet or what was it called um yeah i i did enjoy that did you no, I won't name his name um, because I don't want to name drop. But the uh, one of the engineers who worked on this desert life lives right here in beautiful Carmel, Indiana. Oh wow! I think you did tell and, me that one time. Yeah, uh, and he's like really proud of the fact that like you listen to Hanging Around or some of the other tracks on there, and every now and then he'll be like, "That's me on piano," or like, "Oh, I." I Mrs. Potter's lull- Lullaby. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, well, this um, August never anything after was produced by uh, T Bone. Oh, T Bone Burnett did Mr. T. Jones. Burnett. I don't know if he did. Yeah. Did he do the whole album? Uh, good question. I can't remember. I didn't look that up. Um, the video itself was directed by Charles Wittenmeyer, who only did some music videos. Really, he did Us Three's Cantaloupe Number Dip Trip Flip Fantasia. Similar mm-hmm. video to this, like. Similar stuff. Uh, and Suzanne Vega's Carmel. Not familiar with that one, but um, not, a, not a big old director. Uh, the video itself won at the 1994 uh, MTV VMAs for Best New Artist. Listen to this roster it beat for Best New Artist video. 
Beck's Loser, Bjork Human Behavior, Green Day Longview, Lisa Loeb and the Nine Stories Stay I Missed You, and Michelle Nadeggio Cello, If That's Your Boyfriend, He Wasn't Last Night. That's a fuckload of like, that's like a, I mean, all new that year, all breakout new in that year. Like that's the soundtrack to like sophomore year of high school or something for me. Like that's like, that's like a, yeah, that's an, that's an A-list who's who of nineties hit hit makers. Yeah. Like I was just like, okay, who'd they, Oh, there's not one forgettable in here. Like, I guess Michelle Nostagio Cello people might not remember now, but she was a big deal. Like she did that song Mellencamp. She was, yeah. And that song title, uh, you know, um, you know, if he was your boyfriend, he wasn't last night or whatever it is, is like probably the best song title of the bunch. Oh yeah. That's amazing. No, it's totally good. So much swagger in that phrase. Yeah. No, I, yeah, this is a a good one. I I think Counting Crows have like, other cool videos as well. Uh, Long December is a pretty decent one with Courtney Cox. Oh, yeah. Uh, who, who dated Adam Duritz? Adam Duritz. Yeah, he has had a roster of women that's like, all right, that's okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. You know, I think he was tied to Jennifer Aniston also at some point. Jeez. Like that's as difficult as dating a pair of sisters. Emmy a- a- Rossum, I believe he was with for a, a yeah. quite a while. Yeah. He's been one of those guys that's like, oh, really? They, they went the for him. Dudes, all the other dudes in the world who look like ordinary guys, like look to Adam Dirtz for inspiration yeah. in the dating world, probably. Yeah. Okay, so okay, I, I looked this up because I was just like, yeah, this is Samantha Mathis, Christina Applegate, <laughs> Mary Louise Parker, Courtney Ooh. Cox, of course, Jennifer Aniston, Aline. yes. Jennifer from Aniston. Weeds. Mary Louise yep. from Weeds, right? Yeah. Winona Ryder and him had a fling in 94. Monica Potter, of course, because she got a song named after her. Uh, Laura Flamboyle. Wow. Yep, that's just, that's just, like, he's the Derek Jeter of Counting Crows, I guess. So. <laughs> that's an amazing, uh, an amazing. For analogy. such a like weird, wild looking guy, like, just, yeah. Interesting, yeah. but yeah, no, Kenny Crow's they're, they're a fun concert. I've I've enjoyed, there's the he's a moody guy, so uh-huh. I've gotten I've been before where I have been okay with the show. I'd seen better, but I have heard people bitching their whole way to the parking lot. There's one like, like oh no, I hadn't seen. I wanted to see Mrs. Potter's Lullaby, and I had never hit a show that played that. The one show I saw they played that. Uh, I heard people like, why are you playing all these goddamn depressing songs? Why does he keep playing all those all night long? It was full. It was full of downers, and you could tell he just was not into it that night, like at all. But yeah. um, huh. I've been to nights where he crushes it. Uh, I saw a tour closer once uh, with him. That was kind of cool. With uh, Nico Case opened for him. Oh, interesting. Uh, but no, he'll. Uh, they usually take it out on holiday in Spain, which is a fave of mine. Um, holiday in Spain. I mean, that was off hard candy. Yep. That was, I mean, that's a total masterpiece. Like, I feel like and, that's like apex right there. Like, do, 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 it boom. Is. do you write a song better than that ever again? I know. Like, it's great. No, I mean, Holiday in Spain is one. I, I feel like that's such, such like an underappreciated Counting Crows song because it came a little after their boom. You know, mm-hmm. like it, like Hard Candy was sort of, that was the fourth album, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it was like, like he, he still uh, got it. Like, they, if you want right. to confirm that, yeah. 
Yeah. But basically. it was it was it was officially after their first wave of fame. You know, they mm-hmm. got those three albums and and but there's a couple of gems on Hard Candy. I mean, there's uh Well, it had their oh, huge hit. They had that huge hit with um Shrek. Shrek. Well, well, those is uh the the Joni Mitchell cover, Big Yellow Taxi. That was huge, which think, was like a bonus track. It, right? I think um, they re-released it and and put that on there. Like that came out, like the like a little later. Like for some uh, reason, I forgot like, about that. Here uh, I do think it was a bonus track, an unlisted bonus track on Hard Candy. It, um, original issue. Oh, it was a hidden track. Okay. Yeah, a hidden track. But then they they, but they added had, Vanessa Carlton to it, and that became the radio one, right? Yep. They had her just going mm, bop bop, ooh, bop yep. bop. So excellent recreation. You're right. Yep. That I. Um, you know, well, don't uh, don't forget that uh, I'm just talking to the audience now. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to tune in to my next episode a holiday episode where not only do we talk about the Muppets early in the week, but later in the week when we uh, talk about a thousand miles by Vanessa Carlton. <laughs> Vanessa Carlton. Um, that that's still to come. All right. There we go. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I no, you're right. Hard candy, that album to close out that, that topic, that album had, uh, Holiday in Spain. It had that great song Miami. It had the title track Hard Candy. Um, I think it had American Girls from Shrek yep. on there, maybe. Uh, American like, Shrek was accidentally in love. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Which it and, does and not look like it's on there. Was, no, that's not on there. But American Girls. American Girls. Is. That was the lead single. Um, it's a solid album, and that that wound up bringing me back since. Mm-hmm. Since then, with the benefit of hindsight, this desert life is is awesome. But I, it didn't hit me at the time the way Hard Candy did. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it's worth yeah. revisiting. But I mean, like again, let's all just like look back. Are we ever going to like match the greatness of Mr. Jones and Round Here, mm-hmm. and Which, Omaha, and Anna Begins? Like it's hard, hard to say you will. Hard Candy notables. Um, not only, you know, produced by Steve Lillywhite, we had Vanessa Carlton backing vocals on Big Yellow Taxi. Ryan Adams did backing vocals on Butterfly in Reverse, and Cheryl Crow did backing vocals on American Girls. Huh. Uh, well, I don't uh, remember that stuff. American Girls song being sold that way, but sometimes I always find it funny. Um, the the people that will show up in the liner notes is like backing vocals and stuff on uh, on on albums. And you're like, what? Right. They they were part of that? Like one of my uh, favorite favorite ones on um uh, uh uh is a Dave Matthews band. What would you say? Right. Michael McDonald is backup vocals. I did not know that. What would you say? Yeah, not everybody knows John Popper on the harmonica, but Michael McDonald, the Michael McDonald, doing backup band. Oh, that is wild. He also did Dancing Nancy's too. So you just imagine Michael McDonald. Hey, la, la, la. Hey, no, Michael, can we get yeah. up? Yeah, like, I just, oh, it cracks me up when I look at it. Like, oh wait, they, did, they got that person? I was doing that? So I always um, find those little things hilarious. Well, the, like, let's not also forget that if Ryan Adams does backup vocals on Hard Candy somewhere, 
if you, I don't know how familiar you are with Ryan M's catalog, but Adam Duritz sings back up on answering bell on okay. Ryan Adams album gold. And I mean, Ryan Adams is kind of a dirt bag and he got yeah. canceled last year or two years ago. And like, probably he got canceled for good reason, but that album gold mm-hmm. is, is as much a souvenir of these, of this era as anything else is. And Adam Duritz goes full Adam Duritz on the song Answering Bell off Ryan Adams Gold. So that's a recommended listening for me. Yeah. Well, it's not like assholes can't make good music. I mean, I mean, like, or make movies or, you know, it's like, right. History is littered with artists who act like jerks. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. True, true, true. Okay. Well, I, this has been awesome talking Counting Crows with you. Like, good stuff. Good band. Man, good it's stuff. always a pleasure. Thank you for thinking of me and um, can't wait for the next one. Oh, yes. Um, so that wraps us up for this week. Uh, Press, always a joy. Always a joy to catch up with you. Have you on the See show. See you on Saturday of the Jackal. Saturday of the Jackal. Uh, let people once again know where they can keep up with you until Saturday of the Jackal. Of course. Uh, yeah. Find me on Twitter or Instagram at Pressmax and that's the at sign P-R-E-S-M-A-X-S-O-N. My new book coming out is called Bastards of the Revolution, April 5th. Really excited about that. Find me on Facebook at Press Maxon Author. All right. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD. We're in work at YSOBlue.com. The show returns next week with some robots in disguise. But until then, stay from positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.